Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We made this. Hi, this is Dean Haglund. I'm Langley from the X-Files, and you're listening to the X-Cast. Welcome to the X-Cast. The truth is in here. My name is Kurt North and I am your host for this week. We are still on our continuing coverage of season six and along with me are the two other showrunners. First up, it's uh, Sarah Blair. Sarah, how are you doing? Hey, hey, good morning. Good morning. Early, early morning for you as usual when we record. We as seem to re- We try and get you up as early as possible. Is it, what is it, five, <laughs> six in the morning? Yeah, 6 a.m. now, but I got up at five. Have you had your coffee? I have. Good. How about oatmeal, my porridge? Is that what you call it, porridge? Porridge, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all good. That's all good. And uh, also with me is uh, Carl Sweeney. Hello, cutie. <laughs> <laughs> Morning, both. Morning, my fellow gunmen. Good to be with you. Uh, it's good to be with you. Uh, Sarah's tasked us with deciding who's who. So, Sarah, who do you think should be who in this? Obviously, you should be Langley because you got the most hair. <laughs> right the although most? i'm kind of a hippie so no sarah i think you're the most lecherous of the three of us so you're <laughs> pro hickey i'm pro I'm hickey a, by process of elimination that makes me bias I, yep. I, can, I can live with that i like bias okay well you're the idealist aren't you um which we'll come into well. shortly. um but yeah we are talking about three of a kind which is season six episode 20 it was written by vince gilligan and john shaban and directed by brian spicer and this is the episode where um, Scully lights my fire. Absolutely. Without a doubt. It's one of my favourite <laughs> moments in the X-Files history, this. So um, I'm sure we'll get there. But um, let's do all the usual stuff. So let's talk about the episode in general. Sarah, what, what are your general thoughts on this one? I like this one. It's fun. I always I always like getting to spend time with the lone gunman, especially when it's just them. <laughs> we, you know, we don't get to see them too often. And especially not on their own. So I love those little moments between them just to see what their life is like. And so this is what they do with their time, apparently, is they go to conferences and play Dungeons and Dragons and cause general mayhem and havoc. So it's good times with the gunmen. Good. So what would you rate out of 10 then? Um, Probably an, let's go with an eight. Yeah, because it's really fun to watch. It's a very watchable episode. I would agree um, with that, absolutely. Yeah. It's watchable. It's yeah. definitely fun to watch. What about yourself, Carl, then? What, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, okay, I would go probably more like a six and a half, I've got to say. But I do agree with Sarah. I think it is very watchable, and I think it is entertaining. Um, for me, the lone gunmen work better in small doses. However, I think 
Unusual Suspects is a really good episode. That would probably be more like an eight from me. I really like that one. I feel like this one is a decent sequel that we didn't necessarily need, but it's well done. It's quite entertaining. There are there are some real highlights here. You've mentioned one of them already, I think. Uh, there are a couple of really good things here. Um, I just find it one that doesn't linger in the memory, and it would never be one that I would list as like a favorite. If, you know, I'd, I'd be writing a very long list of favorite X-Files episodes before I got to three of a kind. Uh, but no, six and a half, so better than... I think I gave the beginning a six. I think I gave Terms of Endearment a six. But I, I think I enjoyed this episode more than those two, to be fair. So it's it's good stuff, decent stuff. Mm, it's interesting because I'm going to go lower. <laughs> um, Ooh. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's strange, you know, I was thinking about this last night, that I've actually done the reverse of you. So I, as the episode Got less go enthusiastic. On, I'm, yeah. getting, I'm getting less and less <laughs> concerned about them. Um, but for both, for, I, I've made a comment on The Unnatural, which, which to be fair... I don't know which order it comes in now because Disney Plus um, oh, in yeah. the UK has just really come out, and the Unnatural and Three of a Kind have been switched, so mislabeled got, as well. I missed yeah. it. So I think so. Is it right? So this is episode twenty. So this on Disney Plus, this is on where the Unnatural should be, and it's called the Unnatural, but it's Three of a Kind, and then Three of a Kind's the next episode, and it's actually the Unnatural. So oh, uh, Disney, you have I, one job. I know. Well, th- this is the thing. This. Disney um, X Files just just gone up on Disney Plus in the UK very recently. The very first episode I go on to watch on there is labelled incorrectly, so it's kind of making me fearful to watch the rest of the series. On which there. one was the, the one you wanted? I'm curious. Right, so I, you, when, the first w- one. When you wanted to record, when you were about to record the unnatural, yeah. Sarah, I thought I'll watch the unnatural. I might be able to drop in a comment or something on f- Facebook, which I never did in the end. <laughs> when, <laughs> when I, I was when looking I, for your comment, Carl. Yeah. Well, it didn't happen because when I when I clicked on the unnatural, it kicked off with previously on the X Files, and it was all about Suzanne Modeski. And I was thinking, <laughs> I don't remember put, this. You should have put a comment on talking about the episode then on the Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, I've done my X Files fan duty, and I've reported this to Disney Plus, but it's been a whole week. I'm just saying, and they haven't done it yet. You'd think it'd be like priority one, like oh. guys. <laughs> there's a season six episode of the X Files that's mislabeled. Let's sort that yes. out, but. Nothing yet. Yeah. yeah, so the unnatural is last week. I hosted that and Kathy was our guest last week, so Yeah. yeah. So I really like all the baseball in this episode, guys. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looking forward yeah. to discussing it. What do you think about that alien? <laughs> the, the alien's quite tall, isn't he? He's really tall. <laughs> it's really tall. Um yeah, so I, I would rate this as a six if we go back to what I was um just about to say, because f- for all the things that you've said, Carl, really, the first half of the episode when I watched it uh, a, f- a few days ago. It was just uh, almost like, oh, this is all right. It's fine. You know, and it was only when Scully came in that I felt, actually, this is actually yeah. uplifting and it felt that it needed that. And um, as, as I kind of watched it again the second time around, it was a bit better. But at the same time, it was just stick on and watch it. But not in the way that earlier episodes have been where like triangles and the rankings of the like where I would actually stick on and watch it and, and enjoy it. I would forget about this one to even put on. So it's... Um, but it's perfectly acceptable as an episode. I don't, it's not a bad episode by any means. It's just just kind of just there, um, <laughs> which is interesting. So IMDb yeah. rate it at 8.1 of 2,471 votes. Too high. Too high, no, Sarah? Like, yeah. No. No? I th- well, I, I was interested. I found the demographics um, uh-huh. for The Unnatural, and I was looking through those, and I found that it was very interesting because – 
almost more than half of the votes were from a male demographic. And so it was heavily weighted towards the male demographic. So I'd be interested to see mm-hmm. the weight and who voted what, because the, the female demographic voted the unna- the unnatural a lot. Well, not a lot, but higher, but there were fewer women right. voters. Got it. Yeah. Right. That doesn't surprise me that yeah. more of the people rating stuff for men, I've got to say. I'm not shocked. I don't know why. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you don't really take that into consideration usually. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, it's it's because the lone gunman, as you said, as you said at the top there, Carl, is like that there are they eventually get their own spin-off show, but have to have an extra couple of characters in there as well. It's not just a case of just them three. You get, you know, you get, I think it's, I can't remember her name. I think it's Eve. Uh, Eve Adele Harlow. Yeah, it's an anagram of Lee Harvey Oswald, yeah, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and obviously you've got Michael McKean recurring and you've got, um, you know, you've got um, Jimmy Bond as well. So it's almost like you need that extra person in there and as you say in in small bite sizes it's fine you know the, the humor is quite funny second time around there was moments in this episode which i thought was uh you know those few extra moments which i may have missed the first time which i enjoyed um but it just it's it's a, i think it's a struggle to uh, to sustain it so um so yeah so without further ado i think we should uh maybe look deeper into this episode Right, so I'm going to be absolutely honest here. I have no recollection of this opening credit scene whatsoever. <laughs> I, I, I put it on and I was like, what is this? <laughs> I could not remember it for the life of me. Even second time around, I was like, I can't remember this during the first original airing. <laughs> it is so bizarre that it's probably the only thing that I've ever come across that I've not been, oh, well, I remember that. It was just not in my memory at all. But it is interesting in itself that it's this suburban home. When you, you, um, both of you were on the Arcadia episode, which obviously features with that. It comes up here again. It comes up in Biogenesis trilogy, um, you know. And this is more of a, an American dream, and like you were saying in Arcadia as well. It's it's interesting how this theme keeps reoccurring, Carl, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and it's treated more elegantly here than in Arcadia, isn't it? Because in Arcadia, the point is that it's kind of undercutting some of those notions. But here, you know, you've got the nice house, you've got very lyrical music, you've got a very uh, photogenic family that Bizer's got. And obviously he goes through the yard and he there's the dog and Suzanne is there. So it's done very nicely, isn't it? Because I, I actually like this teaser. I think it's one of the better things about the episode. It's filmed very effectively, all in one shot through the house. And then the moment when it's all gone and he loses it all and... Yeah, I like it. I think it's a nice way to reintroduce Suzanne. Um, I feel it's a nice way to centre things again around buyers. I think you were talking just before, Kurt, about how there may be kind of unlikely protagonists and you need other characters and things. But I think of the trio, buyers is the one who has the most potential, I think, to, to spin stories around. Personally, that's what I think. Um, so I think this is decent. Do you think it's a good teaser, Sarah? Yes, um, I had a really interesting impression of it this time around because I haven't watched this episode really much during quarantine. So 
I thought it was really interesting to think back when it originally aired and he's talking about, you know, if Kennedy had never been shot and he, he would live in this idealistic world and, and you know, all of these great things about America. And I thought that was really interesting, you know, to put at the end of this century when you're going into this new millennium and and seeing things from that perspective. And then, you know, he said that line where, uh, my fellow citizens trust their elected officials. And I just laughed and laughed and <laughs> laughed <laughs> because it's just so different now. And it was just like, really? oh, sweet buyers, if you only knew, if you only knew what would happen yeah. 20 years from now. I, so I, I do admit that I had that kind of reaction as well. Mm-hmm. They said, oh, this plays differently. Um, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not as, um, as subjective as, as you are, Sarah, with it, but it's like... Yeah. <laughs> Well, this this does play out slightly differently than what it does yeah. now, and as, as you say, some of the things that, that he, he mentions, you know, the fact that you know all hopes for his country and and things like that, and you know, living in an ideal world. But you know, I mean, it's interesting in itself. I mean, because would they, you know, if if he had survived, if he wasn't assassinated, I mean, would you be in that position? Um, is an interesting question in itself. Really, it's, it's, it is very much an idyllic, you know, dream sequence, isn't it? Really. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a Stephen King story, wasn't there, about like a time travel eleven twenty two sixty three, isn't yeah, it? About yeah, stopping the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, it was a good show. That and, and, uh, I didn't see. The, I didn't see the series, but I read the book. The book mm. was was fun. Yeah, no, good, it was, good series, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really good. Um, yeah, so we come out of the credits, and we're in Las Vegas now. Apparently, we actually are in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, some of the um, some of the scenes were shot. There, most of them with long gunmen. Um, Gillian Anderson didn't actually make it out there, so the stuff that's around her isn't. Um, and there was a bit of a uh, a bit of a war between the various different casinos to get the X Files on set. You know, which in season six, you know, and I know the films just come out, but that's interesting in itself that you know they are vying for for a bit of airtime and a bit of um, you know notification on 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 the show, really, isn't it? Mm. It is interesting. All I could think of was just before the pandemic hit, I was supposed to be going to Las Vegas. Yeah. Like in April, if if things hadn't have turned out the way they did, I would have gone to Las Vegas uh, and got married. So, arguably, I dodged a bullet, but I would have liked to have seen. I would have liked to go to a few of the casinos and stuff like that. So, I was kind of have pining ever, this time. Have you ever been before? No, I haven't. No. no. What about you, Kurt? Nope. No, I've only ever been fine. to a place called Chicago. Um, you know, Schmalberg, Illinois is where I've been. <laughs> <laughs> where where we watched we watched the lone gunman on stage, didn't we? Introduce unusual suspects at X Fest. So, yes. Not this episode, but I was thinking about that when I was watching the episode again. That was a very treasured memory for me. Getting with you guys, walk down the hallway together, and they that were very was good. They were very yeah. good together. They had a very good rapport, didn't they? Doing the Q and A and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's that Las Vegas like then, Sarah? Was it you know? Is it the playground of sin that we're told? It is. Uh, not really. <laughs> it okay. was pretty tame. <laughs> Although maybe I just didn't go to the right places. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's fun. It, it's it's very very big, and just you. Everything is an optical illusion, so it's all meant to. What is keep it really? You... Desert? Just, just so not yeah. At all. I... <laughs> well, it is weird because everything surrounding it really is the desert, and then you yeah. just come into these places and these casinos, and we stayed at the Palazzo, and um, you know, it's 
you go in there and it looks like you're in you're inside but it looks like you're outside with the ceilings painted like clouds and it's just a very strange place is you feel like you're in a dream the whole time almost <laughs> it's like nothing is really real and you just get to go hang out and it's it's a strange place but fun well pertinent fun to this way. episode you know living in a dream world mm-hmm. um what i need to know though you know las vegas is is renowned for its uh, its gambling and and all that kind of thing how, how are the bars <laughs> can <laughs> i sit can i sit at the bar <laughs> Uh, you know, kind of improbable style, and just um, just stay there forever. But, yeah, and you know where to find me then, so you'll be all right. You do just, what you want yeah. when you're in Vegas. That's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> but I was very, very disappointed to find out the first time that I went, they don't use coins anymore. It's all electronic. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. So yeah, I was very disappointed. I wanted to put some. I wanted to have a bucket of quarters, and I was so excited. I wanted to, you know, sit there with my quarters and hear the clinkety clank, and it just—it's all electronic. Oh, no, yeah, that's sad. Not good to discover good. that. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So another thing as well with it being the with it being a conference, the uh, the X Fest actually came to my mind actually when you know when they were going through DefCon '99, and you know I know it's a defense Def contract Con. thing. <laughs> 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 Welcome, defense contractors. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I've been to those type of conferences before uh, in a, in a previous life, and I've actually been on in my work. I've actually um, hosted them and you know supported them and stuff like that. So it's been in, uh, you know just a, a few things that in, in the past year we've not been able to do, and it's like oh, conferences. I remember them so much. Um, so yeah, so a lot of things came came to mind. But um, Sarah, what do you think to the the inadequacies of their spying at the at the, craft t- at the table. I mean, they're, it's not exactly the best of it. No, they're the worst. I have that in my notes. I'm like, buyer sucks at poker, and by poker I mean like playing the game of deception. Like you know, he's not that great at poker, the game, but he also sucks at just trying to, you know. He's just so blatant about it all. So, guys, tell us everything. <laughs> are you like, working on anything interesting? And then yeah, doesn't get an answer. Just, um, are you working oh, on anything no. interesting? <laughs> just, could you be more obvious, sweet buyers? And then Frohickey's over there like, <laughs> like, come on, guys. You're, this is not how you do it. You got to be more subtle than this. And I love uh, the boinking. He said something about boink. Like, all oh, that word again back from the 90s yeah their vocabulary yeah, there's this, this thing that permeates through the episode of you know what happens in vegas stays in vegas you know kind of thing yeah. you know, the, the yeah. where's your wife you know or you brought your wife yeah. and you know and obviously fletcher being there as well you know is kind mm-hmm. of like a, a a little bit of a nod to that mm. reference to boobage as well from um was it timmy and uh, they talk about taking in a floor show and Something about a woman who teaches you to fire machine guns and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'll ask naked the general, woman like, firing uh, a machine gun like yeah, that yeah. could be any more America. <laughs> I think you're right. That's the general thing they're going for, isn't it? That people associate with Las Vegas. I don't know why. I believe that Las Vegas has more permissive laws on things like brothels. Uh, I could be wrong, but that's what I've heard on the grapevine. You Sarah's know? our Las um, Vegas expert. So let's call it. <laughs> 
Sarah, please report back. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it's not so much Las Vegas as the state of Nevada. That might yeah. be. We'll have to contact Michelle Milbauer. She knows. Um, yeah. Presumably. Um, I yeah. To be fair to Byers, though, Sarah, he does convince a couple of the guys with his story about the delamination. Like sort Grant, <laughs> Grant doesn't buy it, but the others seem to kind of yeah. take it, take it at face value. Uh, it's just funny. He looks kind of out of place, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, mm. But he's more manly. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Man, he, he does a good job, oh. but, he, but he goes off book, doesn't he? Because he's he's got to. So that's the only thing he kind of has to try and do. And because he's doing that, it's like, oh, Byers, you've gone too far. You don't need to do that. Yeah. Um, which... To be fair, <laughs> he did. He did like pull that off really. Well, I guess, like, improvisational-wise, but he didn't need to, you know. But um, I did like uh, the Grant Ellis character, played by Charles Rocket. Um, he was the dad in Hocus Pocus, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And he's got this line in that where he dresses up as Dracula for Halloween. And he says, I'm dead, Kula. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So, I was thinking about that the whole time. Don't, yeah. don't you find Grant very unmemorable, though? Like, I didn't remember this guy at all. You, you were talking, Kurt, about going back to the episode, not remembering the teaser. I couldn't remember this chap, basically. Um, I think I, I do I, remember I, him. I remember him more than the teaser. Um, but yeah, he's, he's very kind of stock actor, isn't he? He's that, you know, very kind of mundane in some ways. Um, but yeah, I can, I can see that. I, just I think to... that's kind of the point for his character that they're all supposed to be these somewhat defense undercover like everybody's supposed to be kind of undercover aren't they um but you can be you can be kind of stock and interesting and i found him kind of stock and forgettable but at least that poker game they set up the idea of the rivalry don't they because bias has the queen flush and grant trumps him with the king flush and then later we find out that he's involved with Suzanne, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. So he trumps him in more ways than one. Does. You could say that. Could say that. I just wanted to just drop in about the, the fact that Frohiki's coughing. And, uh, you know, it's not beyond the realm's possibility. It happened in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh, yeah. So. Did it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Pick a friend. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, when we come when we come out of the out of there though, we've got the the kind of next scene. And another thing that that seems to get mentioned right through this episode, which is a nice nice touch really, is uh, Frohicky like points at um, Langley's head and goes, you know, this ain't Woodstock. 
But through the episode, they keep mentioning about the hair up until the point that we actually see him without the ponytail, um, yeah. which, you know, I, I think, you know, is, is a nice little touch that they actually keep talking about it so that we get the reveal of him with short hair, yeah. which he looks quite smart, you know. In fact, he mm-hmm. does look great. And there's a reference in the later scene to, you know, go brush your hair, Michael Bolton, yeah. isn't there? And I had to look up a picture of Michael Bolton because I had no idea what he looked like. Because I, I know a couple no, of the songs. Really? Yeah, I know some of the songs from the radio, but I didn't know what the man himself wow. looked wow. like. So I get oh, that reference Michael now. Bolton. Yeah. Oh, bless. I miss, yeah. Oh, good um, stuff. Good times. There was also, there's an early scene with Byers and Frohickey where Frohickey uses the word squirrely. Um, and I, I only knew he was saying this because I put on the subtitles, squirrely, like the, the animal. I always thought he was saying squirrely, and I thought it was a different word. But just because of the way Americans mispronounce the word squirrel, you know, <laughs> we're just like, like kind of lost in translation. Trust, trust me, I have problems with my R's. I don't know if it's, um, you know, kind of a, a, a Norwegian thing, <laughs> maybe down the, down the way, but I can't yeah. say things like squirrel. I struggle to really get... Uh, how, do you say it? how do you say it naturally? Squirrel. Yeah. That sounds get, the same to me. Squirrel. So you I say it, Sarah. Squirrel. It's meant to be squirrel. What do you say, Sarah? Squirrel. A squirrel. Squirrely. <laughs> yeah, it's squirrely. Squirrely. Yeah. Squirrel. Is, like S-Q-U-W. There's a W in there. Squirrel. Squirrel. The I say squirrel. Um, welcome to Phoneticus Hour. Sarah sent something the other day. What was it about? How how British and American people pronounce the word water <laughs> very differently. Well, how English, English and Scottish and Welsh and everyone in yeah. all the counties of, of UK say water differently. And, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Water. Do you, do you produce, do you have the T in, I would suppose you're more yeah. RP though, aren't you, Carl? They, so, am I? Yeah, I think so. I, think I don't you, think I would say that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you say water then? Because I say water. Water. I wouldn't say water. <laughs> like an American would. Yeah, it sounds different when you both say it, though. Yeah. To me, I can hear the difference. Yeah. Because I mean, you have more, Carl, you have more of an emphasis in the front part. Yeah. And water. Kurt, Kurt's in the back end. How would you pronounce the word <laughs> mirror, Sarah? Mirror. Mirror. Mia. That's what you said. Mia. Mia. Mirror. Mia. It's a mirror. It's a mirror. Yeah, a mere. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's a mere. <laughs> That's a cat. You look in the mirror. Yeah, like a mere cat. Yeah. It's, called, it's called a mirror cat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how you Anywho, anywho. Riveting before, stuff, you guys. Before we offend anyone else. Let's, go <laughs> let's move on from that. Um, so the backstory is quite nice, isn't it? You, you mentioned that Byers is... Um, it's kind of like the centerpiece for unusual suspects and, you know, the, the continuing story here. Um, whether or not we needed one is another question, but um, that you know he's he's enamoured, he's uh, he's desperate to to see her again. It's been ten years as well, so the fact that they've you know this backstory of they come every single year to all all around the globe or wherever they may be, just on the off chance that he'll see her again is uh, is a romantic gesture, really, isn't it, Sarah? I mean, I always liked their little romance, the idea of them. It's it's sweet that Byers has a crush and he's been searching for a decade for this woman and then she just crushes him like a grape. But, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't think that part's sweet, but I think it's sweet mm. of him 
to care so much about her and have been so concerned about what happened to her after all this time, you know, for a whole decade of pining away for her. And then he finally finds her and just doesn't work out, does it? Nope. Spoiler alert. I I was kind of wondering if, because at the beginning of the episode, depending on where you watch it, you get the previously on the X-Files stuff that fills you in with what happened in Unusual Suspects. Then you get the teaser, which has Suzanne. And then we get this sit-down meeting with Bison Frohickey where, um, you know, he's saying, you, you basically are coming to these events to try and find her. And I wondered if it would have been better if it was a bit more implicit, you know, that maybe he... Because it's then it's the very next scene when he does see her in slow-mo, doesn't he, in the casino. Um it's what we've kind of alluded to. I don't know if that story from Unusual Suspects explicitly needed a follow-up as such. Um, I do kind of like the two of them. I like Byers the most of, 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 the, of the gunman. I think he's the best protagonist, like I said. I quite like her. Um, I would have been fine if they hadn't have followed up on it, though. Yeah, I think, I think it, it, it comes from the necessity, doesn't it? Because Duchovny was obviously doing the writing and directing for The Unnatural, which led to the fact that he wasn't available um, to record the scenes. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm only assuming, but I'm assuming that the, uh, you know, the, the, even I can't do this to this day. You know, we're talking 20-odd years later of putting your words together, Carl, and, like, of, of recordings that I've done and putting, <laughs> Sarah, can you meet me at such and such on Zoom at this time? You know, you can't even do that nowadays, let alone, let alone then. But um, yeah. you know, so there is a there is a reason why they had to write this episode. But um, yeah, and and I think to be fair, if if you know, giving it a six out of ten or or six and a half and and whatever, it, they've done an okay job for for what it is. And but I do I do I don't think it needed to happen. But that's just the nature of I think that's the nature of TV at this time, isn't it? You know, not yeah, I, they can't all be ten out of ten home run episodes. You know, uh, I think that's true. Um. This one is closer in tone to the, what will become the Lone Gunman spin-off than Unusual Suspects is, isn't it? But I think the, the Lone Gunman spin-off is more goofy even than this episode. And I think this episode is probably better than most of the Lone Gunman spin-off episodes, to be honest. There were a couple of good ones in there. I don't know if you've seen the series, Sarah or Kurt, but there's some really... Ages ago. Really... A long time ago. Yeah. Really rubbish stuff in there, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> I've, um, <laughs> I've actually copied my DVDs over onto digital, like I've done with my Millennium stuff, so I can yeah, rewatch yeah. it eventually. Um, but I haven't, I haven't started to rewatch it again. But, um, but yeah, it was, it's, it's a tough thirteen episodes. Some, there's some moments, some great moments in it. But, um, but yeah, and I was about to say that in in this episode actually that there is there is a um, a feeling that this is edging towards it because it's only two years out at this point. Um, you know, when the, the episode aired, it's 1999, the episode aired. So this, and it was 2001 that the, um, you know, that the long gunman was, was launched. So I don't know if that was already in the minds at that point, whether it was at a, a sketching out phase or not, but you're right. It definitely feels like it's more of a, more of a, um, you know, a long gunman episode or, you know, like a proto episode as such, um, but which leads- Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To the, uh, what, I, what I wanted to mention during this recording was uh, Frohiki. It, throughout the X-Files, actually, as well as as well as Lone Gunman and, and this episode, you know, he gets himself into some interesting um, you know, spaces, doesn't he? He's, he's quite an action man, is, is our Frohiki. Yeah, you mean going yeah. up in the air then and stuff like that? Yeah, he's in the yeah. air event, you know, in, in is it Memento Mori when they're in the, in yeah. the shoe and things like that. And I think in um, Three Words as well, there's moments where they're, they're dangling down at that point, Longerman's out, so we've got a few of them. So, um, But yeah, he does like to, he, he does have the, he seems to get the action. He seems to get a lot of the action pieces. Very much yeah. so, yeah. And I have mixed feelings about that. I think they work best in their little basement or wherever, you know, in their office, basically, yeah. when Mulder and Scully go to see them. Um, and I think there's a big difference, isn't there, between their earliest appearances and stuff like EBE, when they're a bit more enigmatic. And I feel like we lose a bit of that as the series progresses, don't we? But from, that, from time to time, it is fun to see them in the field doing stuff, isn't it, to be mm. fair? Yeah. Um, I think there's something incongruous about the sight of somebody like Frohickey doing that kind of thing, which is quite amusing. Yeah. Every con job needs a grease man. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you got to have one. <laughs> and where better to do it than Las Vegas at the end of the day? You know, so it's, it's perfect. It's a perfect setting for them. <laughs> but while we're on Frohickey, which is, uh, uh, again, these, these, these little things that, that actually on, on rewatch was like, actually, that's all right, is, um, the fact that you, you do get the, the Frohickey of old, you do get the kind of like, you know, where's the superfluous Agent Scully at one point. Um, but you also get the stuff like he does in One Breath where, you know, get your hands off her, that she's an FBI agent, you know, and, and becomes quite protective. And that's mm-hmm. really that's a really sweet moment because Frohickey, as much as he can be a bit lechy in that way, in some ways, he actually does care and he does like, you know, has that, has that responsibility and it's like, no, we don't, we need to get out of that situation. And I like that from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's fundamentally he's a good guy, even if there are is it like a salacious side to him as well. I think that's what's interesting about him as a character. Like you say, in stuff like One Breath, that's when he turns up with the flowers, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's very nice. And it's funny here that scene, like yeah, when he when he retrieves Scully from that situation, and she's like, I, I, he says, um, "You could be committing a federal crime just by touching her." <laughs> that's that's a funny line. So cute. Um, but of course, if he he you know. Not him. <laughs> it doesn't apply to him. <laughs> but oh, yeah. he would never do that to Scully. I don't believe that at all. He would never take advantage like that. But he's a no. gentleman. Mm-hmm. So he may he may be, you know, like you said, a, a little bit salacious. But, you know, he's sweet. And he's looking out for her. And I love that little quiet little head nod. He's like, come on, just come on. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, he's really cute in this. And I love... I just I really appreciate how Tom Braidwood is so comfortable with the crew because, you know, he was he was the AD or production guy before. And so I think that really helped put him at ease with the rest of the the guys and all of that. And I, I like seeing that he's just he's just hanging out. You know, he's just there to hang out. He's not, they're not like really acting. It doesn't seem like, and he's just so natural about it. And the line when, (laughs) when, when he's like, Mulder's too high profile. They don't know about like, they don't know about like Scully. Like, of course, 
Well, These yeah. Black Ops people would know about Scully as his partner. Like, but Mulder's too high profile. They all yeah. know him, so he can't yeah. come. We have to get Scully. <laughs> like, I, I think that's quite tenuous, but it works yeah. just about. And like, like Kurt has alluded to, there are reasons why they needed it not to be Mulder. Yeah. So I think, yeah, we can go with that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, this is the first episode that Mulder is neither seen nor heard in the He's whole. Heard. Well, He's heard. Technically, though. It's mm. the computer saying it. Yeah, but it is David like, Duchovny. Uh, it's very funny the way that the very flat affect in his voice where he's it like, it, it's Scully, yeah. it's 2.40, whatever the time is. It technically is him, but technically, technically it's the not story, him. it's the computer good, saying it. That is true. Um, I like the way that, that scene plays out, though, where he's like, the lone gunman are on to something big. That's <laughs> <You know, laughs> quite amusing. <laughs> Well, when yeah. well, when Scully arrives as well, it's almost like um, you know. The, I, I did put in my notes that you know, come on, guys, you know, have a plan uh, because it's like uh, uh, his phone is the, the first question you'd ask <laughs> yeah. is like you know where's Mulder? Say it straight away, and he's like, uh, uh, oh, like, uh, yeah, um, we've got everything in plan, but we haven't thought about what we're going to say to you when you arrive. Uh, yeah. Which which was which was wonderful. His um, phone's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> that made does. me laugh. The episode. When I said there are some memorable things about the episode, of course, I think Scully is part of that, especially mm-hmm. once she's been injected. I suppose even before that, because I in that autopsy scene, I like the way Scully is just kind of normal in that scene, but I find that scene quite cringy because Langley's a bit vomiting and all that. It's so drawn out that I just find it kind well, of dumb. Well, the thing with the thing with that <laughs> scene for me is that. Um, it's the reflection because it's actually quite it's oh, yeah, quite yeah. a gruesome quite like why yeah. incision that she's doing and and it's you know it's really well done and I, I don't think I noticed it I, I knew about it and obviously you kind of in your mind go oh I remember this scene it was the second time watching it I concentrated on the reflection and I was like that is that is some strong work that you know to, yeah. to get Langley to that position it obviously reminds me of um, Jose Chung's from Outer Space of course. Uh, it's yeah. like, but but much more like um, much more uh, dramatically done in the fact that like, he tries his best. Does it? They bless him. Uh, yeah, he does try his best. And what, when she says, "Pass me the striker saw," that was kind of funny too. <laughs> I like that. He's just. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, what do you guys think about um, the three the three guys? They're almost like the opposites of the mirror image of the lone gunman when they all kind of meet up and face off together. Jimmy and Timmy, and do we ever get the other guy's name? I can't remember. And it was I Jimmy don't and Timmy. Believe right? so, Jimmy, Timmy. Well, and Kimmy. no, isn't Kimmy in the Lone Gunman spinoff? Isn't that they have Jimmy's brother? Don't oh, they? Yeah. because don't you remember? Is is that right? Kurt? I, I can't quite remember. I can't remember. I honestly can't remember. I think I think his brother is there, played by the same actor, and he's called I believe it's Kimmy. Um, <laughs> I I found them quite grating, to be honest. Yeah, Sarah. Did you? I did too. I didn't like them much, but I think that's the point. They're not yeah. supposed to be likable. They're we're supposed to like the lone gunman, and these guys are supposed to be more antagonistic. And you post two thousand and one, I have kind of a different reflection on it because the the actor who's playing the CIA agent is John Billingsley, and he was in Star Trek Enterprise as a, a as mm-hmm. the doctor in Star Trek Enterprise. So you know, he's for me, he's quite a well known actor in in that. He's because, been in a lot of things, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen him other places. Um, so yeah, so he's um, you know, I, I talk about stunt casting, but it, it had a particular resonance for me being a Star Trek fan. So I was like, oh, you know, it's jump. I wouldn't have got it right at the time because it was two years before Enterprise had started. But um, 
uh, you always like focus on that now. It's like, uh, well, and I, I, I'm more focused on him more than anything else, really. Um, mm. But I do like the, uh, the, the, you know, the fact that they're the ones that those three are the ones that find out he's the imposter. You know, it's not the lone gunman that find that out. And, and, uh, you know, when he turns around and looks in the, the camera looking at Modeski and, uh, you know, in, in that, in that DEFCON conference is, uh, I thought that was a nice touch that they actually had them do that rather than, rather than the gunman. Can we talk a bit more about Scully? Because one line that I really like is when she's with all the men around her and Fro Hickey turns up. Oh, we've already talked about that scene a little bit, but the line I really like is when she says, I like Hickey. <laughs> you know, just, just she, the way she says all the lines when she's in that, uh, you know, it's got the side effects. Yeah. Very funny. Oh, this is what I was yeah. alluding to before. I mean, this for me is prime Gillian Anderson. The, why she's not being picked in more comedies, I don't know, because, you know, the, a timing in this, you know, from the, the, uh, the scene we were talking about before, which is the Langley stuff, and she's trying to push it, and she, you know she says "Hi, cutie" at that point, and uh, you know, be <laughs> that's very good. Yeah. You know, oh man! I mean, we could yeah, rhyme, we we could rhyme them. That. You could rhyme them all off. You know, it's because it's not yeah. because they're that um, that brilliant. And I as you say the um, they kind of light my fire bit, and you know, I don't know who lights my fire. Getting their own back on Morris Fletcher as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, which is fun, and the way she that she pulls that cigarette out is like you know. I mean, I know she was a smoker anyway, but it's like, yeah, that, that that's fine by me. I'm all right with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I do uh, the, the everything, uh, even uh, like the tickling as well. I mean, it's just like every scene that she's in in that state is faultless, absolutely faultless. Yeah, like the reaction shots when they get her back to the room and Suzanne's there. They're very funny yeah. too. The, um, it really it, it does liven up the episode. I think without that element, we'd be all giving this episode a lower score, yeah. I'd imagine, yeah. because there'd be just m- much. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Less to recommend about it. Yeah, well, I, um, I was going for a five. With with Gillian Anderson's portrayal, <laughs> it was a six because of that. It, it, that's yeah. What, that's what pushes I think it that's up. I think that's fair. It pushes it up yeah. definitely. Kathy also mentioned um, that part where you know she's sitting on the bed and Suzanne Modeski gives her the injection. She says, "Oh, just a little prick." Um, Kathy pointed out to me last night we were talking and in blood back in season two, there's a commercial on the television where they're sending out this message to the people saying, oh, you should get your cholesterol checked. It's just a little prick. And they say that phrase. And so we were trying to, I'm I'm pretty sure it's Vince Gilligan calling back to that episode. It makes sense that he would. 
um, and that subtle little hint there. So I thought that was cool that she noticed that. The only slight criticism, slight criticism that I have around that scene is that the some of the ADR work isn't great when it's the back of Scully's head, uh, where she's like, "There's a bit, there's a few moments where it's like you can tell it's not her saying anything or doing anything, but they've put like additional um, dialogue in there, you know, just like hee 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 and stuff like that." Um, but everything, I love every, her laugh so much. Everything <laughs> like, well, that that's the thing as well. I mean, that was something I, I actually didn't mm-hmm. write down, but I wanted to mention. I completely forgot about is the um, Frohiki hears the laugh, and when you hear the laugh, you just, I just automatically, in some ways, takes me out, but I don't care. Um, Gilly, it's Gillian Anderson, you know, that's Gillian Anderson's laugh. That yeah. is, yeah, inequivocally Gillian Anderson's laugh, and it's interesting that Frohiki recognizes it. So at some point in my head canon, that they've heard her laugh like that. You know, and it's not something that you would hear Scully do normally. Yeah, I love that. But I mean, I do. Yes, it's Gillian Anderson's laugh, but I mean, it's Scully. Like she is Scully. So, of course, it's going to be her laugh. And she doesn't get to laugh that much on screen um, as Scully. So maybe it is how Scully laughs. We don't we, we don't really get to know that much. But yeah, I. I just love the way she, in the physical comedy, when she's trying to push the gurney in the autopsy suite, just reminded me so much of Lucille Ball. And she's like, how does this work? And she's like, have drunk saying it. Like she doesn't, she's never done this a million times without thinking. It should be muscle memory for her. And she's just like, I don't know. And then she just falls down. It's the best. It's so funny. She just does it. Brilliant she does she's she's incredible really really good um what about Byers and Modesky's story because but Byers goes to the um goes to the the room eventually and and confronts her and, and believes that she's being brainwashed um it's an interesting scene that it, it's as you say it's a continuation on on the the premise on unusual suspects but also that you know that he's he's caring that much and she's like just completely dismisses him and to the point of like you know in some way trying to protect him and that will reverse at the end of the episode where it's like, I'm still going to fight. I'm still going to fight. And, you know, he basically says, no, we'll do that for you. Um, so you've done your bit kind of thing. It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic between the two of them. And, the, you know, the, the kind of uh, the, the, the fight between and the internal struggle between about who's going to protect who is, is, a, is a nice mm. little moment, really. Yeah, I think it's better that way than if it had been, you know, he's going to rescue her and that is what had actually happened. I think it's more effective if Suzanne has a bit more autonomy and there's more to it than that. So I, I do quite like it to be fair. Um, at the same time, a lot of these scenes, I, there's nothing wrong with them per se. I can't say I'm exactly on the edge of my seat as they play out. If that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just don't feel much tension from the scenario. And although I like them two together, I don't like, I don't care about them enough to be really riveted. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? Yeah. I mean, as much as I like the idea of having the story, it doesn't really compel me to want more after this. You know, like I don't really, I didn't really miss any of it between unusual suspects and here. It wasn't something I was constantly thinking like, oh, gosh, is Byers going to find Suzanne Modeski? Like, what's happening with that plot line? Is she ever going to happen again? You know, is she ever going to 
will she ever show up again? I don't know. So it's not something that I was thinking about until now, but yeah. And also I thought it was interesting that she was in room 1066, which is when the Battle of Hastings happened and William the Conqueror took over England and brought in the Norman conquest of all that. So I don't think that has anything to do with anything. No, but I was I was I wondering wonder, that. Yeah. I, I wondered that too. And I looked up 1066 to see if there was anything else going on that would make it a more obvious reference. And I couldn't find anything. I think it was all happening in England in 1066. That was the main, um, you know. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't see how that would map onto this episode. Mm-hmm. Though, can you? No, no, no yeah. because the the opening uh, the the house as well is ten fifty seven, and I wasn't sure if that was something else. I saw obviously made the same connection ten sixty six, but it was like there's a couple of numbers like ten forty four as well. So I wasn't sure mm-hmm. if it was like they are trying to pin something together or not. But um, I didn't, I didn't yeah. bother to look because I. Maybe really it was just in Vince Gilligan's head. Yeah. <laughs> just like, I need a number. Oh, 1066. That sounds familiar. Something. <laughs> just just throw that in. <laughs> Let's just throw it in. But, or probably the production, probably not even Vince Gilligan, it was probably the production crew just having a laugh yeah. or needing a number. I mean, yeah. I think there are some references in the episode that we could touch on. I mean, you mentioned the reference to Matahari, of course, mm-hmm. Sarah. Yeah. Um, I think um, that's alluded to, she's alluded to a couple of times, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He calls her Matahari a few times. Yeah. Which, that was a tragedy. So, you know. Yeah, Do you know the story think, of her? Only the sort of the bare, bare basics, really. Yeah. So some people still think she was wrongly accused, is that right? Yeah. She, well, according to Drunk History, which is where I got my information. <laughs> <laughs> which What's is a very... Or? Uh, no, it's a show. I'll have to send you the clip. It's very funny. So if you don't know, I don't know if you, you're not familiar with it, where they, it's a Comedy Central show and they have comedians get like we've got We've got a version slammed. of it here. We have yeah. Have we? Over here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, they get them slammed and then they tell these stories and then they have actors act out the words that they say while they're drunk. It's very funny. Is it um, funnier than Saturday Night Live? Because yes. Sarah keeps uh, sending the uh, Saturday Night Live clips, and me and Kurt are just completely dead. I don't know. Maybe. Like we, we don't... I don't know. <laughs> but there's a part where in this in this particular episode, <laughs> she is explaining how Matahari came to France to Paris, and she was like, she calls her the grandmother of the striptease, and so you know she had this idea to do this dance you know and strip basically in front of an audience and call it art and she is like uh like yeah she stripped down to her nitties and they're like nitties what are those and she's like well it's like titties but with a little bit covered up (laughs) so anyways yeah i was hoping we get into like sort of quarter length trouser conversations there (laughs) 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 but Matahari, she basically just was approached by the Germans to be a spy, and she needed money, so she took their money. But she didn't really, she wasn't a spy. She didn't know what she was doing. And then this other guy in France wanted, like, paid her to be a spy to the Germans in World War One. that he was secretly wanting to, like, prosecute somebody for being a spy to, like, take the heat off of what turned out to be himself because he was in fact a spy and she ended up 
going under trial and being executed for being a spy when or like a double agent type thing. But it was really the guy that put her under trial <laughs> to begin with, that he was the spy and he wanted to try to take the heat off of himself. So and and then I suppose played on film by people like Greta Garbo. So mm-hmm. I think quite a quite a common pop culture reference, I think, Matahari. And um you have parallels with the Manchurian candidate here with like Langley being sent in yeah. to uh shoot yeah. uh, Suzanne potentially at a conference. And that scene is a quite a good one, I think, where he we we later find out he he's been cured and he's not actually planning to kill her. But it's shot like the scene in The Terminator yeah. in the nightclub. I don't know if you remember where Sarah Connor's in the nightclub and Arnie's closing in on her and you get slow-mo and he draws a gun and all that. Um, I think I think that scene in Free of the Kind is modelled on The Terminator. That was quite fun. Um, it does, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, fun stuff. there's something that I wanted to pick up as well. I mean, you're right with the, the Langley stuff. I like some of the, like the micro-expressions that... Uh, Modesky has that you know that she knows at this point what's going to happen because she's got the blood sacks and whatever but it, there's a few moments of like if you watch it back you can say ah well she knows what she's doing here um mm. but I just wanted to pick out something that she uh, Modesky says in in the room because she says um there's there's a there's a a line where it says they did things to me and it was like drowning every day underwater struggling to breathe and one day a hand broke the surface reached down and pulled me up I wanted it to be you and the next thing after that, they, she started to talk about the project. I didn't trust him for years, not until he realized that he was working against them in his own way, stalling them, sabotaging them. And he reminded me of you, which has allusions to uh, another project that might have just um, might have just finished and just around the corner. It seems very similar to uh, to a story that we might have already had. So you're talking about colonization, yeah, and the fact that just got- the idea of. Working on the inside and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it just it landed on me at that, at that point. I was like, that, that's, you know, the fact that they're stalling them and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it just felt very kind of like um, stock. You know, this is the this is the project. This is kind of uh, what we've been talking about for a while. But that's now finished kind of thing. Um, which in itself was, was quite good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything else that I've missed them that you want to, that jump, is jumping out at you at all. For me, not massively, because when you get to like the stuff between Suzanne and Grant, I feel like I just couldn't care less. Basically, <laughs> um, when Timmy comes in and shoots Grant, you know who cares? You know, um, it all. What I mean is, it all seems a bit low intensity and just a bit blah. Yeah. Basically, mm-hmm. um, it's fine. It's acceptable. It's watchable. It doesn't. It's not endlessly compelling. You know, um, I suppose it's quite a nice scene at the end with Byers and Suzanne, isn't it? Where she wants him to come with her. Yeah. Would it have been nice to see her incorporated into the series potentially? Or would it have been nice for him to take this opportunity to go off with her? Or are we glad that it kind of stayed status quo, basically, with the gunmen? Um, I think it wor- it works the way it's done. Purely yeah. just, just from the story point of view of, like, she's done her bit now. You know, she's had, yeah. she's endured this this thing for so many years now that she tried to break it out. She's had 10 years, you know, had had her trust broken again, um, that the only person that she can really trust is, um, is him. But then he wants to take, take on the, the quest as such. And it would have been nice to maybe have that quest, you know, um, portrayed a little bit in the long run. And, uh, potentially if that was to, 
the way they were going to go. Uh, I like the uh, you know the fact that she he gets the ring, which is obviously you know back to the beginning of the episode. It kind the of teaser. bookends that. Yeah. That's a nice touch. Um, so yeah, I think I, I think I like it the way it ends. It's a nice little ending, and obviously they're going off to play on the slots, which is great. Um, but yeah, I mean I'm the same as you with with the the rest of the episode. Most of it's kind of like all oh, right, even when you know like sort of um, you know Timmy goes into the room and just keeps Susan alive. It's like why why are you doing that? Why are you revealing yourself so long? When doesn't make any sense? Um, mm. You know, mm-hmm. and only for him to get in, injected as well, and for him to be the the culprit at the end. Um, so yeah, so it is a bit like all oh, right, okay, that's been done. You know, so it so yeah, it's it's a difficult one in that respect that the story itself isn't isn't particularly um, engaging as such, and you're there merely, really for the long gun and the scully, and you know it's and that's probably why I rate a six is kind of just in that way. Mm. Um, I don't. What about you, Sarah? What do you think to the end? Yeah, I think it's kind of like a deflated balloon at the end, you know, because you got the very exciting part where she gets shot, and you're like, oh, and that's the big climax, and then you find out like, oh, it wasn't for real. And then you have like this conversation, like Carl said, you just don't really care that much at that point. You just want to get back to, to Scully and see her reaction. And um, <laughs> do you, I do enjoy when she finally gets to talk to the real Mulder and she's like, yeah. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kick their asses. Kick their asses. <laughs> yeah. well, they, they keep saying yeah. that through the episode, don't they? they that earlier, yeah, exactly. Else. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I thought that was a nice touch to bring that back. Uh, because Rohiki said it a couple of times before, she's really going to kick her asses. Like, and I, I was sort of sad that I didn't get to see her kick their asses. <laughs> that would have been a much more fun. But I do appreciate that they kept the lone gunman. <clears throat> excuse me. I do appreciate they kept the lone gunman together because you can't break up the three musketeers. You know, they're one for all and all for one. They got to stick together. So, you know, it was necessary for him to say goodbye, but to her. I think on that spin-off series, it would have been nice to see Suzanne at some point. And maybe if they had gone to a second season, you would have, potentially. Um, that might have given it a bit more weight. But as we've said, it, it kind of goes in a different direction when you've got them like looking after the babies and stuff. And yeah. Just weird. Dancing the tango. That was actually a good episode, the, the tango episode, to be fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, it gets a bit more sort of silly and absurd the series yeah. so maybe it wouldn't have fit i don't it know i would have liked to have seen her in, in that context yeah, it comes, it comes it's worth checking out sarah if you haven't seen it for a while because there's an episode with skinner mm. Mulder makes a cameo appearance doesn't he i don't think scully ever does does she i don't think so no it's just Mulder okay. and skinner yeah i'll take so it it's worth worth seeing for those <laughs> reasons i think yeah right okay so i don't if we've got nothing else should we should we go into the mailbag anyone else wants to say anything or should we just delve into the mailbag sarah Dive in. Let's Let's dive in. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a few comments on the on the mailbag this week. Uh, Not as many as your Arcadia one, but uh, you know what can you do? So Kathy says, uh, uh, Kathy Glinsky, shining performance from Gillian. Every moment from her is truly delightful. She elevates the meh story to a can't miss episode, and I think that's what we've basically said, isn't it? Really, it's um, you know she she does elevate the the episode. She comes in around twenty two minutes, and um, you know as soon as she comes in, it just lightens it up completely, and it's uh, you know much easier to to watch. Tony Black yeah. has said, it's incredibly forgettable, isn't it? 
I've seen it about <laughs> I've seen it about half a dozen times probably, and I have to strain to recall big chunks of it. Nowhere near as close as as good as the unusual suspects, but it's fine as a middle of the road as the show gets in many respects, which is surprising for what is a format breaker designed to highlight supporting characters. It perhaps shows just how reliant the X Files was in reality to the two leads. I mean, what's the moment? Uh, I mean, what's the moment everyone remembers from this? Yep, drunk Scully says it all really. And that's an interesting thing in itself because it's something that that I like a lot of the stories that are that are outside of Mulder and Scully. Um, this one doesn't really attain it. I actually really like Travelers um, a lot, and uh, I don't mind some of the episodes that do don't have them as, in as much. I mean, Unnatural we've talked about a couple of times. Um, it's not particularly a favorite of mine, and it doesn't really get to what I want, but. It is interesting that it's more of a vehicle for Mulder and Scully most of the times, and, and this one just just falls flat because of that, really. Yeah, at a time when... Because the X-Files, in its day, of course, was you know very cool and um, seen as a groundbreaking series and all of that. But if you look sort of slightly before it, a lot of the big series that were comparable in terms of esteem had big ensemble casts. Mm. You know, things like Twin Peaks, Hill Street Blues, um, you know, you've got things like ER around this time, aren't you? And they're very different beasts to the X-Files. But the X-Files is more reliant, of course, on its main duo. But it does have a good ensemble too, doesn't it? Because like like Yuka, I wouldn't necessarily hold this up as a great example. But some of those episodes that are about Skinner or Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man, I find them very interesting. But I think it depends which fans you speak to, doesn't it? Like, there are some fans who just aren't into a lot of those subsidiary episodes. I would have liked them to maybe test it out a bit for have a crycheck centered episode, have a spender centric episode. I would have been on board for it, but I think it would have been risky also. So I don't know. It would have been. I think I think crycheck. If anyone, if anyone would would be able to have a spin off. I'm mean, not. We you, you still have that that Skinner and crycheck aspect, which would have been nice to play a bit more on. Um, which will lead me into Sarah asking, you know, what do you think to extra curricular episodes? Maybe starring a, a, a bald man. Uh, yeah, I mean, we still have to write our show, Kurt. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the lone gunmen as a unit work best when they have a fourth person to play off of and to react to them and their antics as we as the audience would react, which, you know, it just makes it a little bit more fun, I think, and it adds to their dynamic. Um, but as far as, you know, not spin-off episodes, but like you said, the extra episodes. I would love to see Crycheck centered episode. I I always really enjoyed the Crycheck Marita storyline. And I would have loved to have gotten some of that, some more of that, because I felt like there was a lot of really rich storytelling that could come from that mm-hmm. between them. Well I think I think I've been opening that, you know, post season mm-hmm. seven, that's kind of where where I thought it was yeah. going. And it obviously didn't go that way, but I would have, I would have really enjoyed that element if they had um, Marita and Krychek in more of a mm. more of a role moving into season eight, really. But we went a different way and we got Doggett, so you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it. It was a bad choice in the end, but it still would have been nice to to have that, you know, um, you know, and they could have built up on that. Um, so we've got Adam Silver says, yeah, I think this one is underrated. Apparently, uh, had the Long Gunman spin-off stuck to this tone instead of going goofier, I think it would have worked. He's alluding to the TV show. 
Carl, you've mentioned the the uh, Longerman a couple of times now with uh, you know the the actual thirteen episode show. Do you think that you know, adding a bit more credence to uh, more dramatic rather than comedic, it would have would have worked as a show? I think the problem is that some of the writers who were writing for it weren't funny. <laughs> <laughs> they were try- they were trying to write comedy episodes that didn't really work. So it would have played to their strengths potentially a bit more if it had been a bit more dramatic. And it wouldn't have been as dramatic as the parent series, the X-Files. But yeah, I think Adam's got a point. Um, it's hard to know. Yeah, It's kind of unprovable. But uh, yeah, when you see like Langley being urinated on by like an infant, you think like, yeah. does this need to exist? <laughs> <laughs> or uh, I think it was Langley. It was one of them anyway. Uh, oh man, that happened, huh? Well, wow. we'll be covering it on the podcast, I think, uh, eventually. When yeah. we get to the chronologically, it's season eight, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> look forward to that, says. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, so excited. Uh, Nicole uh, Wilson-Ripson says, I love this app. I'm especially tickled by Michael McKean's Morris Fletcher cameo. Langley and Scully interacting is a highlight for me. I'd love more Mulder in the app, but I understand the whole reason for the app was needed to free up Duchovny's time. Uh, for him to work on the unnatural. So Langley and Scully, that we we briefly talked about that, but it is a great moment for those two to be together. I mean, if you look, you know, post this and we get this, for example, that obviously Langley's the only one that comes back, but um it is a it it is uh, on top of the comedic aspect, on top of you know, the seeing the glasses and stuff like that, their interaction is is really solid and I, I actually really like mm-hmm. it as well. So definitely. And I suppose it's unusual to see them interact without the other characters present, isn't it? So there's a bit of novelty to it as well. Yeah. yeah. Do we, we don't ever get, do we get Scully and Byers one-on-one ever? I know we get Frohickey and Scully and we get Langley and Scully one-on-one, but I don't remember Byers and Scully one-on-one before. I'm drawing a blank. Can you remember, Kat? I don't think so. I think it's it's a struggle to think of them very much one-on-one at any point. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very so very rarely split up, aren't they? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, even like later seasons where you know you've got them in the van. Obviously, post you know the show that the fact that they've got that van, uh, you know, they always seem to be to be together. So it's it's a difficult one. But I do like I do like the uh, the Langley Scully thing. I do think it's uh, it works mm-hmm. really well. Um, and Bias, strangely enough, seems to be the one missing, but is forefront in these in these type of episodes. So it's you know, Froicky and Langley seem to support more of the X-Files as much and Byers is, is more forefront because of the because of the storyline that he was given in Unusual Suspects. So that's that's good in itself. Christian Pons says, I love The Lone Gunman, but I never enjoyed their solo episodes, even less their series. I feel like after season six, they didn't know what to do with the characters. Uh, I, th- I think we've alluded to it with the, the comedic aspect in, in the show, but uh, and you mentioned season eight because they, they kind of... You may, and, and even EBE early early doors, they kind of have that like really grounded aspect in EBE, and then they slowly develop into this comedic aspect. But after that, it just kind of falls off a cliff a little bit. Well, in EBE, if I recall correctly, they're actually kind of um, teasing Mulder a yeah. bit. You know, he's Mulder is actually the figure of fun, yeah. and that doesn't seem to happen much afterwards, does it? It kind of becomes inverted that they're not, you know, doling out the insults; they're kind of receiving them. Um, so yeah they're, they're very different characters by this point to the characters that Glenn Morgan and James Wong first wrote I think because I think Morgan and Wong wrote their first at least the first couple of appearances didn't they um, but I think a lot of fans like that I think a lot of fans like them 
when they get a bit more cuddly and comedic, don't yeah. they? So, fair play. Sarah? I don't. I don't. I prefer them earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I just think they're fun when they show up and... You know, it's they're there to they're the whole point of the lone gunman is to help provide information when they need it. Yeah. So, you know, they serve that purpose and they do it in a fun way. And so anything more than that, don't really need them, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so. talk about serving a pro, uh, a pro, you know, serving the, the story as such. Andrew Levitt says an episode that has risen in my ranking of the last uh, rewatch. There's some great moments of comedy here. The interaction between Gunman and Jimmy and Timmy. Go brush your hair, Michael Bolton, is a classic line. Langley getting queasy when helping Scully with Jimmy autopsy. Drunk Scully's opinion of what happened to Jimmy uh, and the way uh, Drunk Scully wrecks to Morris Fletcher and later the Gunman. Also, the opening act one with Byers playing cards to infiltrate the group is great, but somewhat reminiscent of their scenes in Memento Mori and showing that they could almost pull a successful operation. While I appreciate Byers uh, still yearning to encounter Suzanne Modeski all these years, it does really it doesn't really fit with the rest of his appearances in the interim. Further, the main storyline is lacking in momentum and emotional power, like unusual suspects. A fun romp, but hardly the show its best. Seven from ten, seven out of ten from me. That momentum, Mori. This this is the, I think kind of what I was alluding to before with the the whole them in action scene mode where. They become. They try to become that more ensemble piece of, you know, supporting form order, getting them into venues, getting them because in EBE you mentioned EBE, it, it's just they they get passed, don't they, and that's it to get in. Whereas later season, Mental Mori, they're actually actively engaged in in breaking them into places. Yeah, well, also fight the future. There's the scene where they get Mulder out of the hospital very smoothly. But that was Mulder's idea, right? And Skinner helped. So I think Mulder and Skinner are working together to like plan the operation, so to speak, and just telling the lone gunman what to do helped that probably go more smoothly. But I mean, it was a nice little a nice little con that they pulled off, so and it was effective. And I think that's probably the where thinking what Andrew said there is where I feel that the they could have gone. They could have been that support ensemble you know with peace with things like that could have been the you know the the knowledge i know you you're falling into like csi kind of ensemble territory at that point you know you've you've got your techs at, at a certain place or breaking them into places or or opening but that feels more natural to them that, that feels more natural to them than um than as i say the comedic aspects of it and that's the way i feel with it really it's uh I think he's hit the right kind of vein there. That that feels to me like the the way that they could have gone, but uh, but still use them sparingly as well. I wouldn't want to use them uh, every week. Yeah, I just don't think the idea of spinning them off as well was necessarily the wisest. I think there were other characters in the series who you could have done a more viable spin off with, or a more a more worthwhile series with, like Skinner potentially or Crycheck you know, Crycheck Marita. Um, and I think also by the time it actually happened, it was probably a bit too late, wasn't it? In terms of people actually being interested. So it was just a bit ill-fated in various ways. But I would say again that uh, any listeners who haven't seen the Lone Gunman series, and if you can find it cheaply, which I imagine you probably can these days, there are a few episodes that are worth at least a look, yeah. aren't there? Yeah. It's just they're a minority, I think. Yeah, and it's only 13 episodes, so it's not as if you have yeah. to go 
you know, and um, spend too much time with it, you will you will find some good stuff in there. And I think you'll understand why Langley turns up with blue paint on his face in uh, <laughs> Nothing Important Happened Today, oh, won't you? Because yeah. that's from yeah. the I, I always series. forget yeah. that. I always forget that. And the kind of, it's a throwaway line, isn't it? But it's an, it was a nice little nod that actually I like. I like yeah. when that happens, and you don't really necessarily need to know. It's just a, you know, it's a it's a moot point really. But um, the fact that they've they've put that in there to link the two episodes the, the, the episodes together is really nice. And finally, I just want to mention uh, Chris Henry because he's in support of the the series as well. So another episode I've always enjoyed, definitely not as um, strong as Unusual Suspects. I'm guessing he said three of a kind there, but uh, a pretty good follow up. I'm probably one of the few people who enjoyed the Long Gunman series, and that's the last of the. Uh, the mailbag sorry if we didn't get through to your comment this week um but any final thoughts before we we sign off and uh you know head into next week not really just that this is the last episode that the the we're doing because a trio isn't it before we're going to reunite mm. we're going to do like a season six wrap-up aren't we where we go yeah. down the list of favorites least favorites and do the mailbag uh but i've enjoyed the few that we've done together this season starting with the beginning of course um yeah looking forward to the next time i can't believe the seasons were already at the end i know almost yeah. it happened fast i've gone really quick but it's yeah. been a really good season i've really enjoyed listening to everybody else's analysis this season and i feel like we've gotten to go really in depth with a lot of these episodes that i know they've been kind of experimental but i think that lends to some really fun discussion mm-hmm. so it's been it's been great to analyze this season with you guys yeah it has and it's uh as i say the wrap-up is going to be nice and it's going to be an interesting you know to fact to kind of get dig down into what we think um of the season and uh, you know where where our dif- differences lie you know as i say we've had a bit of a flip reversal of carl and i <laughs> with, uh, with the season which is quite strange yeah. Um, which is which is good to know. Field trip, Carl. You're doing field trip, is that right? Yes. As at the time of recording yeah. this episode, uh, I'm about a week away from recording field trip. Hopefully with Caridwen and uh, Michelle, uh, Caridwen Foley, Michelle Mabawa. So I'm looking forward to that one because I really like field trip. I think that's a very good episode. And then Biogenesis, I think will be myself and Darren. Hopefully, um, yeah. always good to speak to him. So yeah, I'm excited. And I'm excited to hear some of the episodes that I know, like you guys have recorded. Like Sarah's just recorded in Natural, but I haven't heard it yet, and Milagro as well. So it's, it's very cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I've yet to watch Milagro. That's probably next on my rewatch. That was a fun talk. Because uh, I've been watching yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm re- looking forward to, to watching that and listening to that that episode. Um, I recently did Trevor with uh, Luke Winch, mm-hmm. which is nice to have Luke on yep. the show. Um, so, but yeah, it's all it's all coming together. Looking forward to, uh, to, to wrapping up season six and start start planning for season seven. That's the next thing we need to be doing so yeah we'll be we'll be through we'll be through this the show before before too long you know so but yeah but while people are still here still listening to us um you know rattle on where can people find sarah online you can find me on twitter at sarah l blair and i'm on instagram at author.sarah.blair you can find my books online um write the ties of darkness series which i think x-files fans will enjoy having a look at so yeah good stuff carl where can people find you online what you up to uh not up to much really uh but i'm on twitter at ckj sweeney um haven't been using twitter as much recently actually but um yep you can find me there 
I'm on Facebook in the X-Files basement, the X-Cast podcast fan group, which is still ticking over nicely. And it's always nice when people chip into things like the mailbag or whatever. Some of the polls are fun there as well. And yeah. Well, you recently put the What I Want to Believe um, question up there. You watched that, and I, I thought that was really Yeah, that was well. actually, I think yesterday, as we record, I'd, I'd rewatched I Want to Believe just on a whim, because it's in on Disney+, Plus, and I thought, well, let's give it another go. Um, it's a film, well, we'll talk about it one day in, in depth, won't we? But it's a film <laughs> that has risen in my estimation quite steadily since since I first saw it and was a bit nonplussed. I like it much more each time I see it, basically. Uh, so it's aging well. If anyone hasn't seen I Want to Believe for a while, check it out, I would say. What's Facebook? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Facebook what? Facebook is a social media platform, Sarah, which you never... I haven't heard of it. Oh, very rarely. Mm, yeah, no, heard of I'm it. not on there. Yeah, I've, I've, called, I've heard you call it uh, many things, <laughs> but uh, not... Not repeatable. On I saw air. somebody. Um, yeah, I saw somebody posting recently about the way different things go down on social media, and it was about like if you posted that you'd made a cake, how it would go down differently on like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> so like if you posted on Facebook that I've made a cake, you'd get somebody replying saying, uh, "Well, my cake is better than yours, and my children are more perfect." <laughs> Basically, if you post it on Instagram, you'll get people saying this cake is amazing, inspirational, and if you post that I've made a cake on Twitter, people would say. Um, by posting this picture of a cake, you're promoting unhealthy behaviours, basically. And um, there's something to it. The, the social media platforms are very different, aren't they, Sarah? So I can understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you can find me on Twitter. At R. Muldrake. It's R-M-U-L-D-R-A-K-E. Again, at time of recording, I've just um, covered the finale of the One Division on podcast 616 so i've now flown out of there um, <laughs> yeah. but if you want to if you have been watching one division um by all means come and listen to our coverage on that on podcast 616 you can find me on red dwarf podcast at red dwarf pod which is shipwrecked and comatose we've uh, currently about to release season four um for that and uh, just planning to record season five and then um the time is now a millennium podcast in which we're just about to complete season three of that and you can find that at the time is now pod but uh, thank you both for, for coming on and joining me this morning. It's been uh, a wonderful discussion. I've got to go to work in an hour, so that's fun for me. But, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see you all at the end of the season. Have fun, Carl, on the next couple of episodes. Yep. We'll do. Elsewhere. And, uh, and we may remember, this. until next time, everyone, trust no one. Free with this month's issue. If you think about the band name, they didn't even commit to being good themselves, like, because Warm Jets is pretty shit. Yeah, yeah but it's Here Come the Warm Jets by Brian Eno is where they got it from, which is fucking brilliant album. Like, trying to do a rock band, naming yourself after a fucking ambient album. No, no, that's it's a glam rock album. Oh, is it? It's not one of his ambient ones. Ah. Yeah. Alright, he's got, he's got uh, Babies on Fire on it and stuff like that. Fair enough, it's, then. I don't. I still don't think being like, oh, we're the warm jets. Like, okay, cool. It's not an exciting name. That sounds like someone pissing on you in the swimming baths, isn't it? What, <laughs> what is that warm <laughs> Wow. Oh, it's piss. Some people are into that, Ian. I know. I know. <laughs> not in the swimming baths, though, right? That's a bit. It's a bit yeah. invasive. It will get you banned from Addison Leisure Centre, absolutely. <laughs>
but it really fucking is isn't it yeah yeah it was full on it's full on fully enjoyable and uh, but full on yes absolutely we haven't told people what we're reviewing yet have we no we haven't because you know that's why I'm, <laughs> that's why I'm edging around what we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the holly hop online Red Dwarf convention which we both attended and I tell you what Kurt I've had a bloody lovely weekend yeah it's been great I've, I've really enjoyed it you know it's as, as you say the, fir- the first day was hard because they've crammed a lot in the first day second day overall because it's, I think it's been a bit more like more like a Sunday because it's a Saturday Sunday mm. the recording we buy records Eric Clapton and Van Morrison have released an anti-lockdown song how, how do you think about this where does this sit on the shitometer I think it redefines the shitometer Right. I just, you know, I mean, so I think it's raising money for musicians who are affected by the lockdown and the lack of gigs, etc. Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing. Yep. But then you see Van Morrison and Eric Clapton, a bad thing. So, right. do you know what I mean? I mean, I love, I yeah. love Van Morrison's music. I don't particularly like Eric Clapton's music. I quite like the 60s stuff. But, I, you know, they're a couple of whinging old men, aren't they? Old man babies complaining that they can't go and lick whoever they want. Mm. I know. But that's what they're singing about, I think. I haven't I haven't checked that. I assume that the lyrics are about... You can take it as read that I haven't heard it. It's not likely to have a banging donk on it, is it? It's unlikely to have a banging donk. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network. The Xcast and X-Files podcast was created by Tony Black and is produced and hosted by Carl Sweeney, Sarah Blair and Kurt North. You can find the podcast on Twitter at the X underscore cast, on Facebook by typing in the Xcast, and in our group, X-Files Basement, the Xcast podcast fan group, and on Instagram at the Xcast pod. Don't forget, you can support the show by becoming a member on Patreon. Our patrons get early access to episodes, behind-the-scenes chats with our hosts and a thriving community of X-Files, and other premium interviews and specials. To find out more and subscribe, you can go to patreon.com slash the Xcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the Xcast. We are also part of the We Made This Podcast Network, full of popular culture shows, including our Millennium series, The Time Is Now. You can find all of our shows at our website, wemadethispod.com, or via Twitter at wemadethispod.com. Thanks for listening and keep watching the skies.